Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133. On LUS Fiber, the game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Not a lot of time. If you would like to get in, talk basketball, um, you know, Saints quarterback situation, Super Bowl, whatever you would like. We've got some interviews set up. We'll be talking with Nick Fontenot in the next segment, and then... Our friend Tom Hafer will reconnect with, talk a little McNeese Cowboys, kind of preview the spring, which is going to be starting, and and we'll have some comments about the Cajuns starting, opening up uh, softball season today as well. And then uh, Brad Boyd at about 10.35, and we'll be talking high school basketball, big Cajun-owned classic matchup between two of the better teams, well, arguably the two best teams in our area, record-wise for sure, in New Iberia versus St. Thomas More. And so we'll be doing that a lot, a lot, a lot of a busy Friday heading into a Super Bowl weekend. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, what year did uh, the Raiders and the, the Redskins play? Was that 83? I think 83 is correct. No, well, I think it was... Yeah, I think it was eighty three. Yeah, the um, the strike shortened season Super Bowl was the Dolphins. So yeah, it was the yeah the next year. Okay, well let me tell you my memory because that's the first one I really remember. I was about thirteen, fourteen years old. So we went to this big Super Bowl party, right? There's fifty cent squares for you know this pool or whatever. So I had a dollar, so I got me two squares. Well, it just so happened that the pick that ties me through right before halftime uh-huh. won me won me uh, that quarter. And then that 90-something yard Marcus Allen run at the end of the third, I think, won me another quarter. I walked out of there with 50 bucks, man. I was a happy <laughs> young man, bro. I'll never forget that as long as I live, dude. When when you said that, I, a dollar, uh, I, I always think of little rascals. I got a dollar. I got a dollar. I got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. No, that's funny. Oh, yeah, that was good stuff. <laughs> Listen, uh, I wanted to, to let you know that uh, we are hosting at Judy's the Lafayette Parish Boys Basketball Championship this weekend. Uh-huh. We've already we've already had two nights, and uh, we got games going on all day tomorrow. Ten games in a row, starting at eight in the morning. For seven dollars, you adults five dollars for students. You can get in and watch ten games, man. So it's really good basketball. The semifinals are Acadian and Lafayette at twelve fifteen. And Scott and David Thibodeau at one fifteen. Some really good basketball, Kevin. All right. Well, just make sure people don't get thrown out and everybody acts civilly. Hey, no, we 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 good over here, brother. You oh. know we run the show right. Over All here, right. Man. All right. Take care. Thanks All for right. the call. Appreciate okay, the man. memory. All right. No, uh, you know, people have been doing Super Bowl squares since way before gambling got to what it is now, you know, and he's talking way back when I was in high school and they were doing that in the 70s. So I'm sure um, many people, Super Bowl Sundays got made better if the Super Bowl square hits, you know, on the right thing. Well, you know, Dawson and I, neither Dawson and I felt real good about the Cajuns going into the Southern Miss game. And it just, 
you know, I, I called it a circumstance game. I thought it was a really bad circumstance game, and it turned out that way. The Cajuns' 10-game winning streak ended. Uh, you know, they were up by 10 about midway through the first half, and they were up by 5 at the half, and it seemed like things were going okay. And after three halves of doing basically nothing, Felipe Hase, uh, the big guy for – for Southern just went crazy in the second half, scored 17 points in the second half and, you know, hit, he just couldn't seem to get anything to fall the first three halves. He scored eight points or like three of 10 shooting in the first game in Lafayette. And he was 0 for four in the first half last night. And then he just, they just, they didn't have an answer for him after that. You know, it's funny too, like last night to start, you all put guards on him and had basically Greg Williams and Kentrell, some combination of those two on him. And he was forcing shots. He was rushing. And it's almost like they sat him down at halftime and said, dude, they got guards on you. Just take your time and you're going to have every look you want. In the second half, he was fine. Then, even when you all tried to switch other guys on him, it didn't matter. He got into his zone and it was over. Well, Greg guarded him most of the time in Lafayette and he didn't do anything. So, for some guys, quickness bothers them more than size. I guess just a matter. And plus... I mean, he's obviously a pretty good player. And so, I mean, you can only, I guess, figure that you're going to keep a pretty good player to, to like zero points for so long. But he just went way too far in the other direction. And and, and even then, I think the Cajuns still could have won the game. The problem was, you know, Greg Williams has had five straight games with over 20 points. He had four points last night. He was one for eight. He was missing too many layups. He didn't knock down any three-pointers. It was just a bad game. I mean, you're going to have, even for – was a really good shooting team, the Cajuns this year. You're going to have some bad games, and it just seemed like the perfect time to have a bad game. They had over 8,000 people there last night. It was the fifth largest crowd in the history of that facility, and and the Cajuns were due to not play well. But again, they had all the excitement and all that Southern Miss, and the Cajuns came out and led almost the whole first half. So it just – second half was bad. Yeah, and I already said it on RP3, but – and I'm excited to get to watch. I should be able to watch most of Southern Miss on Saturday against Monroe as well. But I've only seen them play a couple of times this year. And this might be disrespectful of me to say, and it's going against what's happened in real life. But I don't think they're even. I think Marshall and UL are both better teams than Southern Miss. And I, well, I I don't I don't know how good Marshall is. Like Marshall, if you slow the game down on them much, I don't I don't know how good they are. In a in a real physical game now they have they seem like a team that's got to get that tempo up and they got to get going and uh you know they have you know Kinsey's just incredibly athletic I mean he kind of has that Dennis Rodman spring body to him like he can just spring like he's like but um I mean I think Marshall's good but I think they're more of a of, of a matchup team than, than Southern Miss. No, look, Southern Miss didn't look good here. But, again, I, I really think both of these games were circumstance games. And I know people that don't think the way I think, like, what is this guy talking about? I, but I think sometimes you play a game and it's just two teams playing. And then sometimes you're playing a game and it's, it, it's like the, the – this was their big crowd. They had been looking forward to this game. They had been building up for this game. And so it was huge last night. For the Cajuns, the first one, like we talked about, they were 0-2. They were at home. And they were 0-2, start out 0-2 on the road. Felt like they got slighted by the calls. And so it was just a game they had to win. And so 
There are other games you play where you want to win. You want to win every game, but it's there's no overriding circumstance or momentum or buildup. It's just a normal, everyday game. And uh, I think both Southern Miss Cajun games were circumstance games. So I almost... I almost, in my mind, just want to throw them out. Like if they play a third time, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But 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 I, but I don't know that you could draw a lot from either one of those games. Um, James Madison got beat last night by Georgia Southern, and we've talked about it. Georgia Southern and South Alabama. Although South Alabama got beat again last night, and I saw the end of that game. That was a weird game. Now that's the other thing too. Troy looks like a team. I was saying this, and I agree with you a lot about circumstance games. I think, they, I think they're real, and if people want to deny them, I don't know if they're really paying attention. And I know as a coach and players, you, you have to like deny it and act like it's a game, yeah. but I think it matters. Yeah. Um, Troy, when you get beat as bad as they did by UL, and you play as poorly as they did in the Cajun Dome, UL's going to have to play pretty well on Saturday to even win that game. Because Troy's back to playing pretty good basketball right now, and they came back at the end, stormed back. South Alabama was in control of that game. Um, and Troy made some plays at the end and won it by like. I just one or don't two get points. South Alabama, but anyway, um, no. So the, again, you, you, Southern Miss they play what Monroe, and then they have three of their last four on the road. Now they're not to like the elite, they're the top teams in the the top two or three teams. But when you play, was it at South Alabama? At Georgia Southern, those are capable teams. And Old Dominion's the one on and there Old Dominion. that I think is dangerous. And so Old Dominion is is a is a capable. So like they can lose any of those games. So we'll you know I, I wouldn't totally say well the Cajuns can't finish first, but the sticking point for the Cajuns, to your point, from is they got to go to James Madison after playing a home game of Thursday on James. So. That from a travel standpoint, that's a little bit of a circumstance game that they have to overcome, and we'll, we'll, they're going to obviously have to shoot way better than they did last night. Which again, I, who knows? How, I mean, hopefully they don't have another game that bad. Yeah, and the good news too is, as far as the top four, which is really what really matters in Pensacola, you're still now you're three games up on fifth and two games up on fourth with James Madison losing. So everyone else has at least six losses. So you would have to lose at least three more games and then still have some tiebreakers go against you to drop out of the top four. So that's looking very good. And so from there, you can kind of right. play with house money, try and go get a share of the regular season title, see if Southern Miss slips up, which, again, like you were saying with those road games, I, I have a feeling they're going to lose one of those games. And they're kind of due for a letdown game where they play poorly. Yeah, if they had one of those road, like if they were playing at Georgia Southern tomorrow, I would, th- I would say I think they're going to lose that game. But at home against Monroe, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know that though. I mean, Monroe's proven that they're capable of winning on the road against a good team. They've done it already. But I don't know. I think I think they got a little bit of a break in the schedule in that they're at home against a team that I think on paper they're better than. We'll see what happens. Um, the women are kind of. I, I guess that's our. The U Athletic Department first experience with this James Madison thing was the women last night did not go well. Lene did play. She didn't start, but she did play, and she didn't do a whole lot. You know, she had a couple shots, but they they just didn't shoot well enough. But more importantly, they did it. They've shot well enough, just well enough to beat a lot of teams that they play, but they they couldn't. James Madison hit too many threes, and and they just they just couldn't catch them. 
And so, not good because now they're in fifth place. They're out of the. They're a game out. Now Arkansas State beat Troy on the road last night, which just adds to the frustration of getting cheated. You know, in that in that game. So, I hope. You know, they can look, get past all that. Again, the most important thing is to finish in the top four, like we just said. So we'll see what happens there. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout, get shift gears, and, and talk to our friend Nick next. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Nick Fontenot. How are you, sir? Oh, Kevin, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? The man is riding high. He was jumping off a ledge last week, and now he's riding high. It's amazing what a few wins will do. Just get some <laughs> W's in the column, and we start feeling better about ourselves. <laughs> Oh, that is funny. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you got some relief. I was a little worried about you last week, so that all, that all is good. So, before we get to some other things, let's start off. Yesterday was trade deadline day in the NBA, and and the Pelicans made a trade. Uh, they traded Devontae Graham for Josh Devontae Graham and about 47 second round picks. <laughs> Why did it take 47 second round picks to get Josh Richardson? Did you quite get that? I saw somebody tweet that I think NBA teams are money laundering with these second round picks. Like they're just throwing them out there, like they don't even matter. But I think the I think the trade deadline showed us it kind of it kind of was a rude awakening for me because I, you know, I was really thinking this team was a championship caliber team, and I think the front office maybe has different plans in mind because while Josh Richardson is a is a fine player and and arguably he makes the Pelicans better, I think he's okay. I honestly didn't really know much about him before before he was traded to us, and I kind of learned a little bit about him yesterday. But I think it just showed us that the Pelicans are not quite ready yet, and the, and the front office wasn't ready to enter the luxury tax uh, era of, of trying to win. And you saw the teams around uh, around where the Pelicans are going to be got drastically better. I mean, uh, you know, with, with uh, KD going to the Suns and Kyrie going to the Mavs and the Lakers got better. So I think the Pelicans just realized Zion's hurt. And it's going to be a while, maybe a season or two, before they really are prepared to compete. So I think the Josh Richardson trade kind of, that's what it told me, is that, yeah, they wanted to make a move, but they weren't ready to go what I what I would call big game hunting and go get that big player that's going to put us up there. Well, okay, so, so back to the pack. what can he do? How can he help? Well, he's a 3 and D guy, which is pretty much exactly what they need. So he, he'll, he'll play. I don't know if he's going to take Devontae, uh, Devontae's minutes, but you know, Devontae was really – he wasn't really playing all that great. He had moments, and he, he, he made a few plays during his time here, but I think his time was up. And, and so I think, uh, I think Richardson comes in. He's a, he's a little bit more of an improvement uh, over what Graham was doing. and he, He's a perfect 3 and D guy. He shoots 
36% from three, and he's taking five or six threes a game. So I think he's going to come in and, and do that. So uh, it's, a, it's an improvement. It, it's a guy who comes in and helps the team, but it's not that, it's not that flash move that I was kind of maybe hoping for that would, that would tell me they were trying to win a championship. So it's fine. Can, I mean, can he preserve – can he help McCollum a little bit where McCollum doesn't have to get so worn out physically by the end of the season? Well, you know, I, I think – yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if he's – I don't know if he's – you know, McCollum – we're asking McCollum to do a lot right now because Zion's out. But, you know, Brandon Ingram's back. And so Ingram's kind of taking on that role of, of a primary scorer. And, man, he's he's all the way back now. I mean, it took him a few games to get going, but but I think he's looking like the guy that we thought he was. And so, uh, so I think that's going to allow McCollum to, to kind of not have to – press so much and try to do so much on, on the court and you know maybe, maybe Richardson does that I, I really I just don't really don't really don't know what we're going to get from him uh he's not a real exciting player he's not anybody that you know I'm, I'm super excited to have but uh, but I do think he, he did improve the team just a bit so don't you think me I wonder the moves that the Mavs made and the Suns made if that impacted the Pelicans trade plans yeah, it's, yeah it, it, it possibly did. I mean, those teams are going for it. I mean, they they, they feel like they they're in that window, and and right now, I think the Pelicans are also in that window. However, our guy that really puts us in that window is hurt. And when is he going to come back? And if he, let's say he comes back right after the All Star break. That's twenty five games. Like, there's twenty five games left in the season for them to gel together and really push for a championship. So if you're talking about Let's say, let's say the Pelicans went and got Kevin Durant. I mean, I know a lot of people were talking about that. I don't know if it was a realistic possibility. But, you, but now you're, you're putting Kevin Durant with Brandon Ingram and, and, and Zion or, or McCollum, or maybe Ingram would have moved in the trade. No, but I mean, it's just it wasn't enough time to gel, whereas those teams could bring in that big name, not, maybe not get rid of one of their bigger teams. So, yeah, maybe so. I, and, and I think I heard somebody else say that. That's why Kevin Durant – went early in the deadline. Like, he went right after midnight on, on Thursday. And so it, it was kind of like the biggest chip to fall. And then maybe it did affect the rest, the way the rest of the teams, rest of the teams win. I don't really know what, uh, what the Pelicans could have got that would have, uh, you know, equi- equaled a move like that. And, and possibly it did affect the way they, they addressed the deadline. Okay, so have you – because you and I have talked a lot about the NFL and the Saints over the years, but not – as much about the NBA. So, who do you hate in the NBA? Uh, I hate the Lakers, um, and, and the main reason why I hate the Lakers is because uh, before the Pelicans were uh, before the Pelicans had come over, they were the Hornets, of course. And before they came to New Orleans, um, I was a uh, a Magic fan because of Shaq. I'm, I'm a huge Shaq fan. I love Shaq when he was at LSU. He's my favorite athlete, and so I didn't really have an NBA team, and so he went to. Orlando and my dad was a big football fan, not a real big basketball fan, but he did hate the Lakers for whatever reason. I don't know why, but we didn't really watch basketball a whole lot in my house before Shaq went to the league. And so I started watching the magic. And then of course Shaq goes to the one team that I was taught to hate, I guess, as a kid. And so, man, I really, I really started hating the Lakers at that point. Uh, I, I ended up being a Pacers fan for a few years when the Pacers played uh, the Lakers in the finals just because they were playing the Lakers and I ended up being a Pacers fan. And then we got the Hornets. And, and so I just kind of moved over there and, and really became passionate about that. But I, the only team that I really hate is the Lakers. And, of course, the Hornets drafted Kobe and the Lakers got him. 
yeah. That, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. A... I, I got no issue with anyone hating the Lakers. All right. So tell me about your your gut feeling, your head feeling. You're just, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, thinking about it, when you turn over at 2 a.m. in the morning, thinking about the Derek Carr potentially coming to the Saints situation. It sure looks good. I mean, I the, the, he canceled all his meetings with other teams, and he he was in New Orleans for a long time, and everybody seems to be getting along. I think you you pointed out to me yesterday that he has a good relationship with Demario Davis, which is probably the leader of the entire team. It's the one guy you want to have a good relationship with. So it's like a lot of those chips are seem to be falling in the right place. It seems like he's having a good time in New Orleans. He's enjoying himself. He stayed for an extra day. I think. I think it's a done deal. I, I just I, I, I put all of my eggs in that basket, and if it if it ends up not being a done deal, I'm going to be pretty upset about it. Like I, I want him. He's the guy that I want. He's the guy that I'm targeting. And I'm not even saying I'm right. I'm not even saying that it's going to be the, the right move. It's just the move that I want them to make. And so I think that they're just working out the details and, and figuring out exactly how much money he's going to need and all that stuff. But I think, I think it's the Saints – in a landslide for his services and whether or not they're going to get it done is a different story. But I think both parties want to be together. They just got to work it out. All right. So why, why we might as well get greedy, right? I mean, you wanted one win for the, for the Pels in these four home games. And I was saying two and they're already at three. So you might as well get greedy and want four. So while we're talking about getting greedy, has it crossed your mind? Like, what if Michael Thomas likes this move if they sign Derek Carr? Yes, that has crossed my mind, and I don't know why it's not crossing everybody's mind. I don't know why there's so many Saints fans that want to get rid of this guy. I understand that he hasn't played, and I understand he's a bit of a diva and, and, and the injuries and all that stuff, but this guy's really good, and he's on our team. We don't have to go and get a number one receiver. He's on the roster. Now, I know he just has to play, yes. He has to play, and it's upsetting that he doesn't. But, man, there are – Kevin, there are way more Saints fans that want this guy gone than want him to be a part of the team. He's already here. Like, he's hitting the cap. We have him. We signed him. Why not try to make it work? Like, this is a really good football player that I think the majority of Saints fans want to get rid of, and I, I just don't get that, man. I think I think he's a he's an integral part because I think Olave is a natural number two receiver and a really good one. You pair him with Michael Thomas, and, man, they're, they're going to be explosive. I think Derek Carr is going to have fun with that offense, granted, if, if he does sign. But, yes, I, I'm not in the get rid of Michael Thomas camp at all. I want to make that work. All right. So, Michael Thomas, like, he, he you know, I these cryptic tweaks, I, I really hate him. And the whole I'm keeping receipts thing, I'm already starting to hate because that's getting out of hand. But he had <laughs> one of those keeping receipts. So why would he say that? What does that mean? It's, it's just the same tweet that I'm thinking of. I think it was something where Nick Nick Underhill, who we all love, he's he's great covering the Saints. I think he made a comment about uh, not not looking at individual players or looking looking at more of the, the big picture and how the Saints are going to adjust the cap. And I think an earlier tweet, maybe a few months ago, Nick had tweeted that the Saints were were more than likely going to get rid of Michael Thomas. And then so Thomas repeated, uh, you know, retweeted that and said, "Hey, hey, hey, don't go back on what you said a couple of months ago." Because I, I remember, like, I was on a, I was on a walk and I, I heard a I heard Michael Thomas said. Uh, Nick Nick had tweeted something about Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas that took offense to it. So yeah, the saving receipt stuff is, is kind of lame. And look, I don't I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want 
I, I just want to win games. Like if, if Michael Thomas can can uh, can come back to the Saints and help us win, I, he can have all the receipts he wants. Just just come back. Right. I, I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, is that in, should I take that as an encouraging sign? Oh yeah, yeah. I do well. I don't. You, you never know with these guys, man. I I don't know. Michael Thomas is such an enigma because he doesn't play. When he does play, he's good, but he just never plays. So. Uh, you know, even even if let's say he does come back, Kevin, what's to say he's going to play? Like, we we did this. Did we do this a couple of years ago or last year? Oh, we've done it. We, we did it last year for sure. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I just at, at this point, it's like I know he's really good. I don't want to get rid of him. I want to make it work. If he wants to be here, let's make it work. If he doesn't want to be here, then 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 you know, get rid of him. I know he's a good player, but if he doesn't want to be here, like how much how much do you think him not playing is just? straight up the injury, and how much of it is it he doesn't want to play? I mean, we really – only the I – mean, there's no reason to believe it's not an injury other than we're tired of hearing that, you know, we're tired of him not playing. I mean, I you know, I, I don't have any real reason to believe it's not the injury. I think that's just our paranoia and our yeah. fed-upness with it. All right, one more, one more thing. If the Saints traded Z28 today, what would your response be? I've I've I made myself okay with that move a few years ago when everybody was kind of talking about it and flirting with the idea. It's I'm fine with it because running backs are kind of a dime a dozen. <laughs> Look, I know we don't have one right now, but we've we've found very good running backs in the draft, late rounds, and also out of the draft with our undrafted free agents with guys like Kyrie Robinson and Chris Ivory and even Pierre Thomas, like. We've been able to do that through our history. Like, what what means that we can't we can't find somebody like that to fill that role? It's, running back is is such a position that you can kind of fill without a big salary. That if they traded if they traded Kamara, as much as I love him, he's one of my favorites of all time. It, 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 would, it would kind of make sense because you could get. I think you can get a quality running back. You just got to go get them. Like last year, they just they just decided we're not going to go get a running back, and, and it ended up biting us in the butt. I would hope that this year they wouldn't do that. Go get somebody like in the mold of a Chris Ivory where you're like, you know what, yeah, this guy is unknown and maybe we don't know much about him, but he's just an NFL running back. Put him in the offense and, and, and watch him go. So, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I want it to happen, but if it did, I, I, could, really, I could make myself okay with it pretty quickly. Ball, 0 for, uh, 0 for 2 by 4, another 2 by 4 right now. That's what we need. All right, Nick, it's great to hear you upbeat again. I hope things continue to go well for your Pelicans. Thank you very much for your time, sir. We got to finish out the faux, faux, faux tonight. Yep, faux, faux, faux. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us McNeese. 
play-by-play man, Mr. Tom Hafer. How are you, sir? I'm great, Kevin. Thank you for having me today. Well, a little better. You know, two streaks. Uh, the Cajuns' 10-game win streak ended. McNeese got their long losing streak ended. And, uh, you know, forget about big picture. It's just got to feel good to win. Yeah, you know, the streak, the nine-game losing streak for the, for the Cowboys was extremely frustrating because they were in so many of those games. And literally five of them they led – uh, you know, late in the ball game at, at some point, and by late I mean in the second half or the last ten minutes, and a couple of them they just quite frankly gave away. Um, it, it was really interesting to hear Coach uh, Aiken talk about it this week that he, he felt it was clearly in their heads, and that they were getting down late in the in ball games and and having uh, the hey we got to win uh, mentality rather than the we've got to execute mentality. And uh, he felt that, that 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 was really costing him. He didn't say this, but it's also true that the Cowboys so so injury uh, bugged at this point that they just didn't that they could have been physically running out of gas. He didn't talk about that, but that's the other the other part about it that that may be part of the the losing streak. Uh, to beat Southeastern, a very good team up near the top of the standings um, last night was a real uh, it was a, a definitely a sigh of relief. Um, they were able to close it out although that it was in doubt you know they had a seven point lead with about two minutes to go and then uh that that went down to two points they had a chance to uh to ice it you know uh with, with a two-point lead and uh and a really good free throw uh shooter in uh, harwin francois at the line with uh what about 20 seconds left and he just hit one to make it a three-point lead and the cowboys were able to hold him off uh, so it was a nail-biter but it was, yeah. Coach Aiken, I felt really glad for him because, uh, you know, they've been so close and and just could not find a way until last night. Well, and big picture wise, obviously you're trying to get into the tournament, but you know, so that way kind of opened some things. So now you're just one game out of seventh place. Exactly, and and there are some beatable teams on the schedule, including uh, the game Saturday night at UNO. Uh, that would that would you know it's it, they're all must wins at this point and there are some good teams left to play that you may not be able to beat but uh, but you know you you just got to beat these guys that are in the battle for those final spots in the tournament now and uh, the Saturday game against UNO is one of those it's it's so interesting you know McNeese negotiated to stay in the Southland Conference part of the deal to stay in was that that McNeese got to host the conference tournaments in basketball. Um, you know, for the next couple of years. And uh, it would just be a huge blow to the conference if McNeese is not in the tournament uh, financially. You know, they're, they're looking for uh, the Lake Charles people to come out and support it and, and uh, support their team. And that's concessions and that's TV and that's everything, you know, that, that if, the, if the Pokes aren't able to squeeze into the tournament, uh, that's, a, that's a really bad deal for the South of Conference. And so you hope maybe the officials are aware of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a tricky deal because – the, you know, two of the teams that you feel like you got a good chance of beating, you have them on the road, which theoretically increases your chances of winning home, road games, but also makes your home games a little more challenging. So I guess it depends on how you look at that. All right, so softball season also is set to begin. Uh, obviously, I mean, you could argue right now softball is the best sport McNeese has, and they're always good in baseball as well. So I'm sure you're, y'all are excited about spring sports that are about to start. 
Yeah, no question that softball and uh, and baseball are the top two programs that we have going right now. There are a few others that are pretty good as well, but but uh, these two programs are really the only ones that seem to have been unaffected at all by the the pandemic and the hurricanes, and uh, and so they have just rolled right along. Uh, softball gets underway this weekend, and that's exciting. Uh, they return a lot of people, and uh, they are picked to win the conference and and. Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're ready to go. I think uh, Coach Landerno talked about it this week that, that it is a brand new team, no matter how, you know, how many people are back. And there is no history, and they've got to find out who can do what here in the early going. And both coaches in baseball and softball said they're going to play a lot of people early. Um, uh, in baseball, it's mainly they're, they're really going to pitch a lot of guys to see who can be relied upon and fill out those bullpen roles. Uh, softball, it's going to be a lot more on the, the defensive side of things. They, uh, they lost Kaylee Cross to an ACL tear. Um, she was a preseason all-conference uh, selection. Uh, so that's a blow. they got to find a third baseman now. And uh, so that, that's, you know, that's going to be key for them in figuring out who can do it, who are the new people can compete, who can do what. Um, see how it goes from there. Well, I think the Cajuns play McNeese three times, but certainly at least I think they play them in a tournament and they normally have a home-and-home with them in the regular season. So besides the third base question, which that seems to be the big question for the Cajuns every year, each year as well, what what would be the other big, you know, other things that are not necessarily a hole, but a question that has to be answered? Yeah. Coach Landrino said first base is still up in the air. They might have uh, found, due to practice and and, uh, preseason work, a a new starter in Corrine Poncho, a freshman. They're feeling pretty good about her at first base, but there may be others that are able to compete there. Um, So that's not decided, and one outfield spot is also uh, still up for grabs. You got so many new people in, and so many transfers and stuff like that. You just don't know about uh, who's going to rise up. And, and Coach Landrino has not said, you know, publicly that yeah, this one has or that one has. He's keeping it wide open at some of those positions. So those, those are what they're looking at. And I'm sure you agree with me. Fifty degrees at a football game is not the same temperature <laughs> as fifty degrees at a softball game is. Oh my gosh, the coldest. The coldest broadcasts any play-by-play person uh, in the college sports world does are baseball games in February because uh, at at McNeese's uh, Park, uh, now the the press box was destroyed in the hurricane. So even before then, though, it was a small press box, and they would have the radio guys outside uh, for, for the broadcasts. And I can recall some, you know, 40-degree Friday nights with the wind blowing out of the north and uh, going to extra innings. And they they got eight pitching changes, and each one of them cost oh. you about five minutes. And it oh. ends up being a four-hour game. You know, those are those are not fun. <laughs> and when, when you can be in an indoor basketball arena or the beautiful press box and football that's uh, air-conditioned, it's uh, there are some cold games. And I got to tell you, some of the fans that stay through those ball games, God bless them, they are hardier and more dedicated than I am. I promise you. And even worse if it's windy, because then your papers are flying all over the place. Yeah, there's no oh. no doubt about it. You, you I, I have learned. I'm old. I'm going to be sixty this year. But I have learned in the past about three years that you got to get everything on the tablet and uh, open about 
six or eight tabs on, uh, you know, on your uh, Microsoft Edge right. or Explorer or whatever you use and just keep going back and forth from there because the papers are just going to blow away. You can't use them. It is all. Well, we appreciate your time very much. Good luck to the Cowboys, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111. Want to remind you or discuss the, um, if you didn't hear the news yesterday, new crop of Pro Football Hall of Famers. You know, we, we, we've done a lot of discussion of Hall of Fames. We did it. We had one a um, couple, what, last month with baseball. And I, I've never been a big, you know, veterans committee kind of a guy. I, I think if they weren't put in because of racism, you know, that's a whole different deal. I mean, you got to have that. I mean... But guys like, and and you just wonder, like, why, if a guy was, you know, how guys fall through the cracks, I don't really understand. I guess you got to look at it as a case-by-case, um, a case-by-case um, situation. I, I think some teams, like, a lot of riders don't like, and so they don't vote for them. A lot of it is you got to have a guy really – um, trumpeting some sports writer or somebody that really trumpets the player. But, like, a lot of people I've heard over the years say, well, how is Chuck Howley not in the Hall of Fame? You know, how, why is Joe Klecko not in the Hall of Fame? So I guess I, my impression of seeing their names, I don't have a real the negative feeling first reaction that I typically do when I hear old-timer veterans committee kind of people put in, because I've been hearing people say, man, these guys need to be in the Hall of Fame for years. I don't know why. Ken Riley, number 13, always early on. You know, back now, the numbers don't mean anything, but back then it was always kind of unique to see a cornerback wearing number 13 to me. Uh, you know, he was a good player on some good teams. I, I You know, I can't say a whole lot about Ken Riley, but, uh, you know, always did kind of like the Bengals and, you know, because I didn't pull for the Steelers, so I typically thought rooted for the Browns and the Bengals in those matchups. But, you know, I know Boomers always talk really highly on him, so I I don't have a lot of negative. You know, Don Coryell, even today people talk about Air Coryell. And so I don't know, without the the schematic – 
emphasis or impact that he made on the game, I, I don't know that he's a Hall of Fame coach. I, you know, he's had he had some good stretches, no question. The man always looked constipated to me. I I, I never understood. I mean, that guy, Don Coryell. But 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 he had a huge impact schematically in the game. You know, again, people. I'm sure there are a lot, plenty of young fans who don't know what Air Coriel means, but there are many of them that have at least heard of it about it. So he he had a huge impact on the game, but I don't think his production as a head coach. I don't know that he was really a Hall of Fame coach, but I, I I'll, I'll give it a pass. Demarcus Ware, stud, Sunbelt loves that because he went to Troy. Uh, Zach Thomas was you know the little engine that could uh, made a million tackles. Joe Thomas is just the ultimate, you know, we talked about it last night um, watching the Cajun basketball game with some guys, and we were having, and, you know, the old availability is the best ability. Well, Joe Thomas is the poster child for that. That cat was available. He always played. Uh, didn't win a whole lot, but he always played. Uh, Darrell Rivas and Rondé Barber, I mean, production-wise, it's hard to argue with either one of them. Uh, Devell Rivas was a little more, a little fancier, probably a little more on the talented side as, you know, most Saints fans know all about Rondé Barber. And so kind of, it is what it is kind of situation. So, uh, you know, I don't have a serious beef with any of these. Really, I, I would probably say Don Coryell was probably the one that's the least, in my opinion, if I was going to say the least deserving of this honor, but I, I don't really have a serious opinion, uh, negative opinion on any of those guys. I mean, a couple of them, if you ask me, I'd have said they were borderline Hall of Famers, but again, we put in border in guys that many of us consider borderline Hall of Famers all the time. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a serious problem with it and uh, with any of them. And, um, you know, I think. None of them are like, I don't think this is going to be an induction ceremony that I'll be, oh, I got to see it. Because I, most of these guys, although Darrell Rivas, you know, he, he, he has some flash about him. But the rest of these guys, not a lot of flash, just solid type players. And so I don't, I don't know uh, if this is going to be like a star-studded. It's not a star-studded group, but I think it's just a good, solid football player group. And so. I'm uh, um, I'm okay with that. Still, not a lot of people wanting to talk about the Super Bowl nationally or locally. Like, I mean, there are some good quarterbacks in it. The whole country's kind of QW ish. Um, I don't know. I mean, you got a the the coach of the Eagles. You know, he's kind of a trash talker. Although most the average fan doesn't know who he is. I get that. I don't know, there's just something about this matchup that, for whatever reason, has not caught the fancy of fans. And again, I, but I'm not just talking about here. Like, even nationally, this morning I was listening to a commentator who I don't like, and, and he was like, man, this is boring. If I didn't have to talk about this Monday morning, I wouldn't even watch this game. Now, I don't watch games when, this, when I get upset about the Saints situation a lot of times over the years, but that's like to that's just like painful, petty fan 
you know, dealing with the agony of losing situation or the bitterness of it. But this is just, he just thinks the matchup of arguably the two best teams in football year is just boring to him, he said. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. That's it for hour number one. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337 706-0111. 706-0111. This segment and the next will be able to access the game hotline, so certainly feel free to do so. And, again, lots and lots to to discuss. Uh, Cajun softball scheduled to start today, 4.30 today against Lafayette College, which is kind of ironic playing Lafayette. You know, there's been some, you know, where people put the wrong thing, confusing the University of Louisiana and Lafayette, as many people look at it, you know, and Lafayette College over the years. So that's kind of funny. And then a one o'clock doubleheader tomorrow, and then a one o'clock game on Sunday. So, you know, when we talked to Tom, there were, he mentioned that McNeese coaches were talking about playing a lot of different players, a lot of different lineups, kind of searching. That is not new in these sports. And, and I believe that, you know, I think the Cajuns are going to do a little more of that. Like, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it this weekend in these four games against Stephen F. Austin and, and Lafayette College because if they win, like they beat Indiana or Michigan, I doubt he does a whole lot of lineup changing if they have some early success when they play in, in Clearwater next week. So, you know, we've talked about it. You've got. You know, Jordan Campbell played third last year. She probably could DP at some point this year. She could play first base. She could play right field. Like, any of that stuff could happen and and probably will happen. You know, we talked about Maddie Hayden. She could play left field. I guess, you know, if they ever give Davis some, she gets injured, hopefully not, or to give her a day off, she's going to probably be in center field where she was last year. She could play third base. I mean, you know, certainly could play third base, you know. Um could could play third base two or three times this weekend for sure. That could happen. It wouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And then he's really high on Victoria Valdez. Who, you know, she's a catcher, could play third, could play first. You know, there's just all kind of interchangeable parts here. And probably most of what I just said is probably going to happen. I like the fact that they're going to have two catching options because – you know, the Cajuns have kind of, it's kind of, you know, over the last dec- two decades, almost every year, not every year, they, they it, it, barring injury, they kind of run the catcher into the ground and, and catch too many games. And so I like the fact that they have two solid options. Hopefully they can both stay healthy. And, I, you know, Sif, Sophie Piscos led the Cajuns in hitting. Uh, it was the best hitter through the fall and spring uh, drills. And so... You don't want to wear her down by catching her every game like you had to last season. So I like the fact that they have some interchangeable parts there. We'll see how it all plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. 
you think you could play third base? No. For for what? In a, in a girl softball. Oh no. Pa ball? No, pa ball. <laughs> Big pa ball, yeah. Yes. Hey, listen. <laughs> uh, did I see Andrew Luck's name on this ballot? Uh, I didn't really look at the ballot, but I mean. I mean He's eligible, but I mean, he's you know he had a couple good years. I, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked that he was on the ballot, but yeah, you can't put him in there. Come on, cat, Andrew. I mean, he quit. He did. <laughs> That's crazy. But another thing I wanted to ask you: so, you know, Sean Payton going to to Denver. You, you think he could he could liven up uh, Russell Wilson and kind of make him into a, a a bigger version of Drew Brees? I mean. I'm talking about Drew Brees in his heyday, not when he had that noodle arm at the end. No, I don't think so because, again, I think Russell Wilson's skill set is not the same as Drew Brees. Like, Drew Brees and and Casper, when they're together, they get the ball out quick. Russell Wilson's never been all great at that. So he – unless Russell Wilson just totally changes his approach, which he better because, you know, his impromptu skills last year weren't very good and the offensive line wasn't good enough to support it. And so you're gonna, have to, you're yeah. gonna have to change something because Lord, that was that was ugly. It was bad, very ugly. You think in his interview when he went to Denver, but, but did they did they have, you think they talk about stuff like Bounty Gate and stuff like? Do you think they bring that up? I doubt it. Very seriously. I mean, they would have to kind of you know say, hey, look, listen, we don't want to you know see this. These these new owners, these new well, actually. You know, well, these new owners are new, so they don't even know what Bounty Gate is. But, I mean, the Broncos um, were doing that heavily way before the Saints were because they had one of the – in the late 90s when they were going to Super Bowls, their defensive coordinator was a disciple of Buddy Ryan, just like the Saints' defensive coordinator was in that era. So they both had disciples of Buddy Ryan uh, as defensive coordinators in kind of their heyday. And so, you know, they know all about that deal. In fact, NFL Films, you know, celebrated what, what the Broncos used to do in terms of doing that stuff. So, you know, I, the Denver knows all about it. Now, these new owners may not know anything about it because they're new to the game. That's what I was That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Hey, so on your king cake, you eat it with icing or you eat it without the icing? I would prefer all pastries without icing other than maybe Pop-Tarts. Oh, man, hey, listen, look in the parking lot. They got a spaceship about to pick you up. Okay. Have a good weekend. You too. Take care. The only other thing I like with icing is like German chocolate because I don't even like chocolate that much. The reason why I like German chocolate is because I love coconut. So I'm not going to – I mean, it would be useless to eat a German chocolate cake without the icing because that icing is unique. But almost any cupcake or anything I get, I take the icing, throw in the trash, and eat the cake. You you don't don't like me on that? No, that's not. I, I don't. You like icing? I don't. So I don't love icing, but also I don't know. I guess I I need to like look into the specifics of what stuff's called. But I don't like like the hard sugary like icing that turns into like you know flakes of icing. Yeah. But I like like a smooth, soft like frosting. I guess maybe. You call yeah. It a some icing is better than others. Where right? it's like kind of light and like a almost like you know the consistency of like spreading butter, but it's like a you know a light airy kind of. I like that, but I don't like the hard on a lot of king cakes. I mean, I'll eat it, and I'm not gonna take it off, but I don't um, prefer the the hard I, I don't really sugary eat icing. A lot of, I'm not. I don't love king cakes like everybody. Now, 
like anything else, some king cakes are way better than others. You're just not high on cinnamon, or what, what is it about? Well, I love cinnamon. But not all king cakes are cinnamon. Well, the traditional ones are, yeah. right? No, no. There's sometimes I eat king cake, and I'm like, this is really good. And then there are other times I'm like, why did I eat this? You know, some, I don't know. Some of them are just not too good. It is what it is. No, but in general, to St. Hater's point, I'm not a big icing person. Unless it's like really, really top-notch icing. And you can kind of tell by looking at it, to your point. I, you know, I take the icing and throw it in the trash. Now, my hand, the only, now I'll lick my fingers when I do that afterwards. So it's not like I just despise it. Then It's not revolting. I just would prefer to just eat the cake. A lot of times when I was young, my mom would just make a cake, like, or half of it, like, no icing and half of it with icing because I just prefer, I think it tastes better with cake. Icing just kind of messes it up unless it's really good ice. Now, with Pop-Tarts, I like the Pop-Tarts without icing, but, like, cinnamon, I like the icing. You know, strawberry, I like it with the, the icing, but I like it. You know, just plain too. But again, I don't know if we've gone over this. You got to you got to put butter on top of the cinnamon ones, and then you eat it. It's I don't think awful. I've got. I know I know you're not a fan of the chocolate chip ones though. Oh, chocolate chip! That is so <laughs> nasty. It's so. Why good. does anyone eat that junk? Chocolate chip is like probably my favorite baked Ugh. dessert topping of any. Like you could put a chocolate chip in any type of baked dessert, and I'm gonna go. Chocolate for chip pop tarts are nasty. They taste like. I don't understand if you like regular Pop-Tarts, like it's just like that with chocolate in it. Like I don't, which I guess you said you're not big on chocolate in general. I'm not, I don't hate chocolate. I don't, I just, and I, I like chocolate. I just don't love chocolate. But chocolate chip Pop-Tarts are nasty. I don't, I, 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 there's no, I, I've eaten them before. I'm like, I'm not eating this again. It's just not, it's just not good. You need to try the brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts. And when it comes out of the toaster and it's hot, put a little butter on top. Man, that is just the. I mean, I think is, I've done that. Once it's or outstanding. Twice. You it's are outstanding. taking something that's not very healthy and then making it more unhealthy. But and and even better <laughs> if you put it on top of some vanilla or some vanilla ice cream with vanilla ice cream. That was one of my go tos when I used to come home as a kid, and um, turn on Batman. You come in, eat by turn on Batman, eat ice cream with with cinnamon pop tarts. Man, that's good. Do you consider pop tart a bre- more breakfast or dessert? Breakfast. Yeah, right. You know, it, I mean, I'll eat it as a dessert, but but uh, it, it, it's 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 breakfast. So anyway, um, so again, we're looking forward to softball today. I don't know what the it doesn't sound like the weather's gonna be all that good today or tomorrow. Maybe a little better today than tomorrow. Uh, but again, once you get down in the fifties, if there's any wind at all, that's just pobble. Not good at all. And so um, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they're five inning games. Although I've heard some people at times complain, "Man, I paid for seven innings, I only got five. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't, but I, if you're freezing to death, yeah, it's a relief. We've got a, a write-in question from Mister Miguez, our afternoon host, who wants mm. to know if you like hot fudge Sunday pop tarts. If you've had that flavor, like okay, when I was growing up. My favorite Pop-Tart was the vanilla, chocolate vanilla cream. Well, of course, they decide they're not going to make that anymore. So 
you know, what's wrong with those people? But but no, I, I have eaten the all chocolate ones. I tend to not. I, I prefer the vanilla cream chocolate, vanilla cream. And I, and someone told me that they're having like a you know, every once in a while they'll bring back an old thing, like a nostalgic. So if that's true, I need to find one because I miss those. Those are the best. Those are the best Pop Tarts ever, the chocolate vanilla cream. So was it like a mixed cream or it was like half? It and looks half? like the Oreo Pop Tarts now. Like have you ever seen an Oreo or in creams Pop Tart? That's what it looked like. But the inside was like a white, like thick filling. So with, the so the pop tart was chocolate. Chocolate but the cream with, was with, vanilla. The cream was vanilla, and it had it had vanilla on the top. It had a white topping, frosting with chocolate sprinkles in it. It looked good too. <laughs> Those that's my favorite all time, and they don't even have it anymore. Just sickening. So now I have to say, functionally, I have to say the cinnamon ones are now now my favorite because they don't. They discontinued the chocolate vanilla cream ones against my wishes. Very much against my wishes. But, you know, a lot of these things they, they just don't ask me. And if they would, it would it would be better, but they just they just decided not to ask me. We'll take a time out and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. You know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana sports station. station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Again, the game hotline, 337-706-0111, I forgot to mention this early because Nick reminded me. and I He was on a roll, so I just let him go, which is what I should have done. But he, he threw out the word, the name Kiri Robinson. And I don't know that um, – I don't know that Dawson – has he probably doesn't have the full appreciation of the greatness of the play. I I will contend that one of the ten best plays in Saints history was a 13-yard run by Kiri Robinson. And every time I hear that name, it just does my heart good. Saints were playing at Philly in the forgotten season of 2013. Um, in the It was their first ever road playoff victory. And they were just shy of midfield. I don't know how much time was left, four, five, six minutes, somewhere in there. Towards the end of the game, they were trailing. And um, they lost one yard on first down, so it's second and 11. Now, remember, this is in the middle of when Drew Brees was still in his prime. And they, you know, they ran the football, but they were a passing football team. It's second and 11. And I am really panicking and you know you can't you can't afford to punt right here. You got good field position. You gotta make this happen. 
And they handed the ball up the middle to Kiri Robinson, and he got 13 yards on second and 11. I still say it's going to – most Saints fans will forget about that play. I will never forget about that play. I, I will have that forever ranked as one of the top ten plays in Saint history. And then they got the little field goal from the ex-Bingo kicker from Florida, and they won the game at Philly. Like, they hardly ever win at Philly. Like, that was like a coup. Tremendous. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, what I want to know, do you ever forget any anniversaries with your wife? Because you sure don't forget things that happened with the Saints 20 years ago. But do you, you remember everything you need to remember? Don't don't get her started. She always says this. You remember who won the Super Bowl in 1979, but you forgot what I told you last week. You know, I get that all the time. So don't don't help her with that. <laughs> but, well, you must get in trouble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a wife and three daughters, and then Russ, who, you know, he, he he ain't worried about any of that. So I got a wife and three older daughters. So how much trouble do you think I get in? A lot. Yes. So, Kevin, I'm not saying I like what happened last night. I mean, I kind of remember we talked about it earlier. I wasn't too happy. I happened to beat them twice and play them again. But they played with the same desperation we played when we played them at our house. So, you know, maybe it's a good learning lesson and a move on. We play them again. And cause look, they adjusted. They adjusted and they let Brown pretty much do what he wanted to do. And they, they, were, they were on Garnett every time he even attempted to get a three-point shot off. They just, I don't know. They just, you know, I mean, it's just, look, William, Greg's been their best player. I mean, I know no, like for the last – you know, three or four weeks, and he just had an awful game. And so it, when one of your top two best players has an awful game, somebody else really has to step up, and they just didn't have enough of that. No, but, you know, the good thing, really good thing happened last night, James Madison lost. Yes. So I, I think, look, at the end of the day, now I'm pretty confident we'll be either the one or the two seed. And if we get down to the three, so be it. Kevin, I, there's really no difference between one, three, three, or four because they all get a bye. I mean, it's not going to matter. And, you know, what What, what I think is going to happen now, Southern Miss's RPI is really moved up to, like, the low 30s. Even their net's doing good. So I hope they think they're going to go in that – when we're going to start that tournament, they're thinking that they're going to be able to lose and get in there because if you have that little back thing in the back of your mind, say, oh, if we, if we lose and get that, that might be the one thing that's going to help you to lose because I hate them punk. Well, you know, again, they have to. They have some road games after this Saturday with Monroe. They got to go to South Owls. I still think it's capable of beating people. Georgia Southern, who beat James Madison last night, and I forget the th- uh, the other one was uh, maybe Old Dominion. So I, they, they've got some tough road games still to play, or at least some losable road games. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I mean. Hey, look, at the end of the day, coaches won't, uh, don't, maybe don't want to admit it publicly, but they like when their team don't play as good because then they're going to get their attention at practice. And I'm really going to be interested to see how we rebound and play Saturday. That's going to tell a lot. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you. But to Dawson's point, the only thing that scares me about Saturday is that the Cajuns embarrass Troy when they play. Troy looked horrific in that game. And so if they have some pride, which I'm sure they do, uh, they're going to want to play much better, so they're going to be pretty motivated, but so will the Cajuns after last night's performance. So that'll be an interesting 
uh, game to see how those two teams respond. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. It's about time you talk with some sense. Which part? That's the best thing you see. That's the best thing I heard you see in the months. Brian in months? Brian is the best, Kevin. Which Will one? always be the best. Wait, which one? Brown Sugar Cinnamon. Oh, no, that's good. Will no, always good. be the best. Always. It was always the best. The only one that can touch it with no icing. Now, Pop-Tarts are the best with no icing, Kevin. I don't know where you get the icing thing from. I don't know why you like icing on Pop-Tarts, but that's kind of lame a little bit. You, 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 don't, you, don't like the cho- you didn't like the chocolate vanilla cream? Kevin, catch your head, cat. <laughs> brown sugar... Brown sugar, cinnamon, strawberry, and blueberry. Oh, no, I like as, them. As, yeah, I like that's them That's the only ones. That's the only ones that exist. The s'mores and all that other junk, that's all some junk. I got to tell you, though. Chip now, chocolate junk. chip is all nasty, but s'mores is chocolate. not nasty. I, I like s'mores. Yeah. yeah, but not like that, though, especially with the icing. So they kind of messed that up. They did all that icing stuff and all that. So, you know, but the brown sugar, cinnamon is on another level, Kevin. And guess what? My crazy girlfriend didn't know a thing about them. Older than me now, in her 50s. Older than me, Kevin. And she could tell me she never ate them before. So guess what I've done? I got her a box. And you know, Kevin, you notice all the good stuff. If you notice that, all y'all listening, I'm pretty sure y'all notice all the old school people that like old stuff, the good old stuff. Yeah. If you notice, you notice you barely can find it. The brown sugar cinnamon, you barely can find it. You go in any old store, they don't have it. They load it up on ice and strawberry, load it up on everything else. They don't have the brown sugar cinnamon without the icing. You go to this store, they got everything else, no brown sugar cinnamon without the icing. So voila, I wound up waiting for a bridge to find some brown sugar cinnamon without the icing. Kevin, I bought about 10 boxes. I had to get them. <laughs> everywhere, you go, everywhere you go, you can't get them. They're always out. Like everybody go to the store just for those. They buy all of those and leave all the rest full. You know, so when you find your store with the brown sugar cinnamon, the shelves loaded, just buy as many as you can, no matter what your wife say or Russ say. Yeah. Buy them all. Don't worry about what they say because y'all going to eat them anyway. So you just buy them. If they got the blueberry and the strawberry, you get those too. But stay away from the ice and pop tarts, Kevin. <laughs> stay away from that. That's now, look, you, you reminded me. My daughter Cassidy loves the, the blue box s'more cereal, and she, you can't find it anywhere. She found it when she bought 10 boxes, and she hit them all over her house. <laughs> She hit. That's his true story. She hit him all over her house, so no one could steal her s'mores blue box cereal. Well, that's small. I guess she know her daddy. I guess. She... <laughs> hey, look. Hey, man. Did she ever get a hold of those UFOs? What I told you about? Oh no, no, I ate them. Yeah, no, I ate that. Yeah. In fact, every time I go by that store, which is a lot, I think about that every time. So. So you did run across it. Oh, no, I ate it. It was good. Yeah, well, I like it. And I've had that before when I was a young you kid. Did, huh? But I hadn't had it what, in years. Man, no, it's good. Guess what? I, 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 I was trying to get a case the other day, and the guy told me at the uh, place, he told me they don't make them no more at all. So you see, when you do find them, you, like you're getting very lucky and you're getting the last supply. I said, yeah. oh, man. I said, I'm going to all, all the good stuff. Find them. It's so just unbelievable. I think when I get off to them, I'm going to go ahead and fill my truck up, and I'm going to just ride until I find a store that got them. See that? See that's why the music's bad now. Nobody has good taste no more. They don't know about desserts. They don't know about pop tarts. They don't know about music. Didn't I tell you a few years ago? Didn't I tell you a few years ago? You got to go back and think about it. Remember? Didn't I tell you a few years ago when all that stuff started? Everything is all over, Kevin. It's over. (laughs) All right. Thanks for the call. Everything is all over. Good hearing from you. 
No, it's it's terrible. And now, like I was complaining the other day, the shows, but they just take weeks off. Like for three weeks, I ain't seen the shows I normally watch. It's repeat, state of the shawls, all kind of stuff happening. It's just awful. Like when this in season, show me a new episode every week. That shouldn't be that much to ask. What do these people do? Got too much time. All those people don't work enough. These actors and these. You know. What's wrong with these people? I mean, they take just months off at a time. Pitiful. Then they have all summer off. <sighs> Awful. They need to stop that. They need, seriously, I really don't think they took this much time off when I was younger. Like, like Happy Days was like every time. There was a new one every week. At least that's what my memory was. I, I don't know what all this. They, they, they take too much time off. But no, the man. See, the man might hate icing more than me. And people thought, and, and Saints hater thought, you know, I'm I'm like an alien because I don't put like icing on my cake and my cupcakes. Apparently, Ronnie don't like icing anyway. Unbelievable. So, have you changed your mind about the Super Bowl yet? Your prediction? Or are you still the same no. as Monday? I think Kansas City wins the game. The only thing that I've heard. And, I, you know, again, I, if I hear some that, you know, I didn't really think about that. You know, I've changed my opinion before. The only thing that I've heard that may, may be kind of making me think is what Jake kept saying over and over when he was in here on Wednesday is that Jalen Hurts is still injured. And I think the underlying thought there is that the two weeks rest is going to hurt, is going to help. Mahomes' injury more than it's going to help Hurts' injury because Jalen's is more of a thing that's not going to get any better, and a high ankle sprain is something that could get better over time, you know, over a few weeks period, at least a little better. Yeah, that's, I think I think Mahomes is the difference. That's why I said in you know on RP3 when I made my pick, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, Andy Reid's been there, Mahomes has been there. And in a close game like this, I like the people who've been there before. So I think also one thing I said earlier, too, it's really important for Kansas City to start fast because if Philly gets up early and is able to run the ball and kind of control the progression of the game, Kansas City might be in a little bit more trouble. Um, but the other thing that's funny about that is if Kansas City gets out in front, Philly doesn't like playing from behind. They're not a, you know. Well, they haven't hardly done it right. all season. So if Kansas City can find a way, and I'm sure Andy Reid's going to have his script ready to go of his first, you know, eight to ten plays that he really likes. If they can get a, an early touchdown, they could kind of change the way that the course of the game. No, I think all I think all of that's fair. Like again, I I think the best chance that Chiefs have a win, and in terms of just analyzing it, is if they just outcoach him for whatever reason. And again, when you have two weeks off, you can you you have a much better chance of doing that. Just every time I see Steve Spagnola's stupid face on the sideline, it just makes me want to punch the TV, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it just – if you're a Saints fan and you sat through that Steve Spagnola season, I mean, the defense was just miserable. 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 And and now he's, you know, they had to carry Mahomes to the Super Bowl. Steve Spagnola carried Mahomes to the Super Bowl against Joe Burrow, shut him down when it mattered most. That's what happened. Y'all y'all hate the truth. That's what y'all hate. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back. Stay tuned.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us the basketball promoter extraordinaire, Mr. Brad Boyd. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kev, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you once again, man, for having me on. All right. So, you got, you've been doing this for how long now, the Cajun Dome Classic? Uh, this is our fourth year doing it, man. This is year four right here. All right, so obviously we'll talk about the other matchups, but the premier matchup is the final one, St. Thomas Moore against New Iberia. They both have fantastic records, and I'm thinking if anybody gets to 40, I mean, uh, they might that might be enough to win this one, the way these two teams play defense. No doubt. Both of them, uh, you know, pack line defense, both teams. You know, they definitely, if there was a – if there was an over-under on the amount of charges going to be taken in this game, I'd probably have to set it at 13, you know, because both teams tempt, you know, at least 10 charges a game. Both teams really well coached, uh, really take pride in the defensive side of the thing. And both teams actually can shoot the ball well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, with them packing it in like that and if, if some guys can hit, you know, because it is in the Cajun Dome. And if you're a shooter or a basketball player, you know, the depth perception is a little different inside the Cajun Dome and, Sometimes teams can come in there and shoot real well, and sometimes they don't. Uh, so definitely defense going to play a factor. And, yeah, you like, you're correct. Somebody can get to 50. I think that's the team that's going to win uh, Saturday night. But what a great matchup. I mean, you just have, you know, literally the best team in the Division I uh, public side. And St. Thomas more arguably the best team in the uh, Division I private side to match up inside the Cajun Dome for 8 p.m. game on a Saturday night. To me, you can't ask for anything better than that. All right, so you know one of the one of the better teams in the area that hasn't gotten a lot of talk. Just I don't know the district they play, and they don't have a a big time history of being really good in boys basketball. Kind of sneaky good is Catholic High this year against LCA. How do you see that matchup? Man, I I, I think it's a great matchup. We lined up those two teams, uh, you know, according to uh, you know the, the the type of teams they are, the type of players they have. But you're right, Catholic High has been on a tear. They went down to Franklin last week. Franklin's ranked number one in their division. They beat Franklin. Uh, they beat Turlings the other night, who we all know Turlings has beaten Nish before. Catholic High's on a roll, man. And and the thing about Catholic High, they're very young. Their best three players are all sophomores. Um, and they're just on a roll, man. They're they're uh, they have a big freshman that they just got in. That's a pretty solid player as well. But they've been knocking off people, and like you said, kind of uh, under the radar. You never hear too too much about you know Catholic High, you know, Iberia basketball. But this year they're really playing well, and you know they're going to match up against LCA. You talk about LCA, you got Cameron Williams, uh, number one player in the state in the class of 2024. Greg Williams, little brother, the the, the star for Raging Cajuns. So. Definitely come see out, see that, see that game as well because um, uh, Catholic High's got to focus in on the Williams kid and he can really play, man. He's six seven, six eight, can shoot it from the parking lot. And uh, Catholic uh, Catholic High's got a got a got a, a strong test to, to match up against LCA. And like I said, LCA has the tradition of being really good over the years, and they're they're a solid team as well this year. Uh, they also have another good player in Jeremy Bark, 
Barkey or Barsky. Can't really know pronounce the last name, but he is really good as well. About a six three guard can shoot it from outside as well. And so that definitely that game right before the Nish game, STM game is going to be a, a a really well played game as well. All right, it all starts at one twenty tomorrow. Uh, ESA versus Midland, followed by Turlings versus Ascension Episcopal, North Central and Zachary, and we'll get back to that game. Uh, Beauchene and Ville Platte in game four, and then that then that LCA Catholic game that you mentioned, followed by the premier matchup between St. Thomas More and New, New Iberia. So tell me about North Central and Zachary. Yeah, you're talking about, uh, you know, Zachary, Zachary High School. I mean, powerhouse in basketball, uh, Division One or 5A, back-to-back state champions. Uh, they're led by Brandon Hardy, who is a UL Raging Cajun commit. Uh, Hardy is the number one and number two player in the class of 2023. He's a senior this year. And Zachary basketball is very intense, well-coached. Coach McClinton over there does a, does a great job with them. They play really fast-paced, uh, really good defense as well. They have three or four guys on their team that are really, really athletic. And then you got them matched up against North Central, who's no slouches. It might be a little school, but they're actually defending 1A state champions, uh, led by Davion Laverne who we talked about earlier in the year. I mean, the kid dropped 64 points in three quarters of basketball. And somebody said, oh, well, they played this team or that team. But still, he scored 64 points. He made 13 three-pointers in one game. He shoots it from the parking lot. He lit it up the last two years inside the Cajun Dome. A really, really special player. And they also have a sidekick uh, by the name of McGinnis Savoy, who is really good for North Central as well. Both teams like to score 80. They'd score 100 if they could every game. They're fast-paced. They're uh, we don't have to worry about setting the shot clock or anything like that. They're going to fire shots up. and We really tried to match up games in the Cajun Domes according to teams that kind of have the similar styles and um, uh, as well as, you know, you want to match up. You don't want to have a great team playing a not-so-great team, but both of these teams are really well coached, really have some high-impact players, some high flyers. Davion Laverne and, and McGinnis Savoy jump out the gym as well as Brandon Hardy for Zachary. I mean, those guys are playing above the rim. So that, that 4 o'clock game is going to be a special game as well. All right, so if someone's interested, tell them uh, how they get in or how, what's the best situation for uh, ticket information. Some of those schools, if, you, uh, if you're fans of those schools, definitely reach out to those coaches. They have pre-sale tickets. We try to get everybody to try to buy the pre-sale tickets because they're marked, they're marked down a little bit. They're $15, but it's good for all six games. Technically all good for all eight games. We're able to sneak in. And this is what I really like. We're giving kids an opportunity, especially on the middle school level. We have four teams that are going to come in on the middle school level and be able to play right before the high school games start. But you can get your tickets from any one of those schools. If not the day of, you can get the tickets at the Cajun Home box office, and your ticket is good for all eight games. All right. So it is, um, you know, tournaments tend to get backed up. Has that worked out pretty well for you all over the years? Yeah, they, uh, you know, the games are spread out about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, normally, every game lasts about an hour and 10 minutes. So we've been on track pretty much every year we've ran this thing. Uh, it's never got built. Well, one year, the year we had the Beauchamp North Central go to triple overtime, which was the instant classic. I mean, uh, uh, Opelousas North Central a couple years back with Derek Tezano and the McGee kid from uh, Opelousas. That game went to a double overtime thriller. Uh, but it was a night game. It was the last game, so we didn't mind staying in there a little longer. But but for the most part, all the games pretty much been running on time. All right. So, um, you know, again, 
the it's we're not that far removed from the girls basketball playoffs starting and the boys basketball playoffs. So if you haven't really paid clo- real close attention to basketball, this will be a re a real good precursor to the postseason. Th- th- this this uh, set of games, no doubt, no doubt about it. And teams like your St. Thomas Moors and Nishes that are that are have really really good shots of making it to the top twenty. It also gives them an advantage uh, for a future game to play in a big arena like that to get maybe uh, almost like a practice. But uh, even though it's a game, you know, just to get a feel for what it might be like when you do get to the top twenty to playing on the big court with the depth perception and everything. So uh, it's funny because. You know, as soon as we put the schedule out, you know, I have people, you know, from New Orleans and Baton Rouge, man, we want to come play because we want to play in that dome to get the feel. And um, so definitely uh, it's just an advantage for some of these teams that get to play in that dome, especially if they make that run to the top 28 and get to play on the college court. And it won't be something new to them down the road if that happens to be there you know, their path they take, you know. So, but look forward next year as well for the occasional class. We're going to expand it a little more. Uh, we're going to bite a couple of Randy Livingston from Newman. He's definitely in. Country Day out in New Orleans definitely wants to play too. So look forward to maybe matching up a Country Day and Newman game last year, battle in New Orleans to bring them down to the Cajun Dome. And, you know, each year, Kevin, we just try to make it bigger and better. Our, our goal is to get as many teams, as many kids an opportunity. Uh, and some of the teams we have playing in the in the event this tonight, tomorrow night, they never get a chance to play in the top 28 or never made a chance to play in the top 28. So it gives them a good chance for their fans. I mean, Midland's bringing their fans. They're bringing their cheerleaders. ESA sold over 200 tickets. I mean, the first game is going to be a, a really good, high-intense game. It's a district game for those two teams. So we just look forward to have a great uh, – you know, I joked earlier, you know, everybody said there's parades Saturday and this and that. Well, it's going to be cold and it's going to be wet, so you can go to the parades if you want to or you can come inside the Cajun Dome uh, where it's warm and enjoy a, a great basketball all day long. All righty, sir. Well, we appreciate your time. Good luck to y'all. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you as well, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foot. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. Just out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, let me tell y'all how my supposed friends with question marks around friends ushered me into this Super Bowl weekend. They just came up with this fake tweet, and it essentially said that the Falcons have traded two first-round picks, one of them in year 3042, um, to – to the Baltimore Ravens to acquire Lamar Jackson. And so I spent most of this la- that last commercial or timeout um, agonizing over 
How could this have happened so quickly? It can't be. Like, it doesn't make any sense. How did it happen so quickly? The Ravens said, the man told me 200% I already gave him the Pulitzer. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm like, how could this be happening right now? Just There's no way. It's too soon. And then they said, well, it's not April Fool's, but April Fool's essentially. I'm going to have to give her a worse nickname than Sneaky now. Oh, look, we're trying to ride the wave of at least maybe having Derek Carr. We'll see if it happens. It looks good. Um, but but really, I think we're going to be okay this year. That's why I was really thrown off by this because I had kind of figured out in my mind they're going to be okay this year, but the future – I. I well, still think he's going to end up in Atlanta. I'll have you know that she wanted this to originally happen during a segment while you were on, and I, me and Ray talked her down into just doing it in the break because we didn't know if you'd be able to compose yourself. Please corral her. I know. I'm, I'm a hyperventilating here, so let's – because we've been talking about this for, what, three weeks or longer? We gotta keep Lamar Jackson out of Atlanta. What can we do that, please? And like, how do you make a fake tweet like that? That was not me, so I I don't know. Looked pretty good though, huh? You, but I, I. Well, I mean, again, it's not hard to fool me, and she knows that. With technology, I mean, I I don't know one tweet from another. The only thing I was like, how how could this? There's no way this could happen already. That's what I kept telling myself. But I was blindsided by this, so I'm sitting here thinking, how could this have happened already? It just doesn't make sense. Can't already be happening. They're going to franchise this cat. Oh man. Well. If I have any influence around here, we need to make sure that on April Fool, on April the 1st, I don't know what day of the week, that that Sneaky is not allowed in the building. Can we do that, maybe? On April 1st, she can't be here. Like, she needs to be on vacation. Like, out of the state. How about that? Can we make that happen? Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, I mean... Bigger even, like, she wanted to do even more. Again, we had to try to, like, tone it down. We were like, look, we can't do it on the air. got to do something about her. Yeah. She needs to go look for some Valentine's Day candy corn or something. Candy corn, huh? Oh, yeah. You missed all the candy corn Yeah, I heard, like, I've heard legends of it, but, yeah, I I never heard the origin. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day candy corn, green bean casserole candy corn. You've never had that before? It tastes better than that fake tweet that I just saw tasted. I can tell you that much. Even the... Okay, I, I'm gonna, I'm trying to breathe again, because I mean I re, I'm telling y'all I I just don't want to go through that. We've got to, the Ravens have got to make sure that doesn't happen. Like we cannot have that happen. I do not want to have to chase that cat. Uh, and again, we went through Michael Vick. Don't need to go through that again. So. I don't like that it seems like it's a uh, – I need this Derek Carr thing to happen so we don't have to, like, get our hopes up too much because it seems like it's going to happen. 
And so it needs to just happen so we don't get blindsided by, oh, at the last minute it didn't happen. Yeah, I I was not a fan of Miguez saying it's a done deal and all this stuff. I said you're putting negative yeah. energy around it. Yeah, we don't need to we don't need to be thinking that way. Oh, I don't I you know, nothing's a done deal for me until it happens. But I understand why it looks good, but I wanna I'd like to have at least one year not you know not having to deal with Lamar Jackson and I don't want to ever have to deal with I don't want to have to deal with Lamar Jackson for like three more seasons when they play the Ravens again. Let's hope that's the case. I mean the Ravens can't be stupid enough to change their whole franchise for him and then let him walk, can they? Two hundred percent. Well, the other problem is, like if the Ravens make the trade, it's gonna have to be better than this trade where you get one pick fifty years from now and one you know, three years from now, like it was, I think the fake tweet was 23 and 26. Well, 26, that's a long, might as well be 300 years. That's a long time from now. 26. Yeah. She's, if she's going to pull something like this again, she's going to have to come up with better numbers. Huh? Yeah. That, well, that, that 26, I'm like, why? Again, I was blindsided, but none of it made sense, but at least it's not true. Uh, let's make sure she didn't do that anymore. Y'all have a nice weekend.